0: Welcome to Real Life Fiction. I'm Matt James with Conundrum Publishing, international best selling author of the Jack Riley Adventure series. And today I will be talking to author Gain Young. Gain, what's going on? Thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, just f- for those watching and for those listening, um, if they're not entirely sure who Gain Young is, kind of give them a little bit of a background story on who you are. Uh, who is Gain?
1: Uh, it would depend on what time period you look, but I used to write history articles for rather scholarly magazines and then i turned to the outdoors where i wrote about hunting and fishing and then after that i kind of turned to interviewing people about hunting and fishing and conservation and then i kind of started writing guidebooks and then after that i turned to kind of what pulp novels that i do now
0: yeah that's cool yeah because I, I, I've seen like some of your, uh, some of your work as far as your nonfiction stuff, like a lot of your, your magazine articles and like your uh, interview stuff. And I always, I found that fascinating because um, a lot of the people that I've interviewed for this show so far have kind of started out as just fiction authors, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the background on them isn't as um, I guess, as unique as yours when it comes to writing.
1: Right. I started writing history articles. I went to St. Edwards university in Austin I started writing history articles while I was sitting there studying in the library. I sold a few of them and then got drawn to go on a public alligator hunt here in South Texas. And interesting, my, my friends were like, you know how to sell a history article. Maybe you ought to try to sell a hunting article and it paid considerably more than writing history. So I kind of delve into that while I was, still in college and then while uh, i graduated got a job teaching and a bunch of outdoor stuff and a lot of history stuff and just kind of kept moving on <clears throat> cool
0: cool cool no definitely that's that. that's an interesting uh kind of like uh i guess uh like origin into writing because uh i i started out just as a storyteller i just started mm-hmm. writing books and Never really thought, and I've actually had opportunities to get into like blog writing and like more like how-to stuff with publishing and writing, um, which I'll probably end up doing with Conundrum now, um, a little Mm -hmm. bit more as time goes on, um, as long as I can find time to do it. But uh, it's kind of one of those things where uh, I just started writing stories. I didn't really think to get into anything else. So uh, your uh, kind of um, start in it is just, at least to me, um, pretty unique and I, I think well, that's kind of- another thing that's
1: unique is I kind of went backwards I started out on a national stage and now because of the magazine industry I'm more at a local level so my biggest gig right now is with Field Athos magazine and the local newspaper whereas uh, when I first started out I would be in three or four national magazines at a time so cool.
0: yeah because I know you did some work with like uh with like CBS I think right
1: yeah, I started out with uh, sporting classics, outdoor life, sports Afield, field, things like that. Mm. Then I went. I ended up the last thing I was CBS Sports. I did their uh, outdoors division.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. I mean, that's that's just that. Like again, that's just different. It's 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 unique, and it, it gives it gives you as now the fiction author uh, a very different perspective than most of us. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? And I like I that. The
1: history background has helped me a lot. And the knowledge I've accumulated during the the history articles and then the outdoors and then just interviewing people, Uh, just interviewing people and being out there. You see all the quirks and you're like, okay, I'm going to use that.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I can only do so much talking to you on screen. Right. But I mean, you're you were like there with the people interviewing them. Mm hmm which I, again, that's just, that's cool. I mean, I've done like podcasts with people in the room before, but I haven't done like serious actual interviews before. So that's kind of cool. I I really do appreciate that. Um, um,
1: I got to take my son on a, uh, a trip one time where I was writing about a game ranch in South Texas. And afterwards he was like, the biggest thing I'm impressed with is the fact that you never let your opinion known. Cause I know these guys were just bugging the hell out of you and you just kept your mouth shut. And I was like, you just got to listen, just listen to what they're saying. You don't yeah. have to agree with it, but you're like, I'm going to use that. Or that's, that's a pretty interesting quirk.
0: So Yeah. I, uh, I, I was in basically in like general retail for most of my adult life and having conversations with people like my most recent job, I was the spirit specialist at total wine and, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, I was theoretically the spirits expert for the store and I would teach all the classes. I would do all that stuff. So my, my depth of knowledge was better than most, but you would always have a couple of people that, you know, it's, it's human nature. They just believed they knew more than you. And right. you just kind of have to like go with it. Cause they're the client, you know, you're just the schmo. That's just kind of working and just doing your job. Right. But, you know, they're the the interview at this point, because that's kind of what I'm doing is talking to people at that job and kind of getting to know them and kind of getting to know what they want in order to give them the best product. So I'm just letting them talk and letting them do this. And even though 94 percent of the things they're saying are utterly wrong, I just kind of have to go with it because the Lord knows if I call them out now, I'm the bad guy, you know. Right.
1: Yeah. I I don't know you saying that made me think of I interviewed uh, Steve Austin. What's Steve? Cold Austin, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I interviewed him about, um, he had a hunting ranch at one time. And oh,
0: uh, Steve Austin. Yeah,
1: yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, yeah, so it was. Just, I was recording it as we were talking. It was just me literally writing down, can't use that, can't use that, can't use that, can't use that. Okay, maybe he can quit using racial terms and cussing and, okay, yeah, not can't use that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting talking to people. It's
0: uh, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, We have.
1: I worked retail while I was in college as well, and so I'm sure we could swap some stories.
0: Yeah, that's I. I mean, I lived it, so I, I, I can I can freely talk about it. But it's if if you haven't worked just like a normal like sales retail gig, and you just deal especially when i was working at the largest liquor supplier in the nation during a global pandemic (laughs) yeah Yeah. you want to talk about some stories it's like wow i'm like i'm zoning out like like literally a quarter of the way through the conversation because i'm like i just what kind of bourbon do you want like what do you like i i'm like Yes. Okay. I, I understand. I feel sorry for you. Like there's a lot of stuff going on right now, but I'm just trying to do my job, man. I don't, I'm not a therapist. It's like,
1: it's like well, the classic I,
0: bartender gig, right? Where the bartender like, is kind of you, the therapist.
1: You're like, please don't let my eyes cross. Please don't let my eyes
0: cross. Yeah, I'm like, I can't like when your eyes start to go.
1: That's
0: what I was trying to avoid <laughs> so many times. <laughs> And then thankfully, I was given the opportunity to uh, stay home. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so ready to get out of here. But uh, um, so correct me if I'm wrong. You are a teacher as well, correct?
1: I taught for 14 years. Uh, I made a big, big thing back in 2011 when while I was still a teacher, I interviewed Vladimir Putin for Outdoor Life magazine. Uh, I always yeah. have to clarify that's before he went crazy. He <laughs> was his shirt off a lot then, but he hadn't invaded any countries.
0: He wasn't and, riding uh, brown bears on with his so, shirt.
1: yeah, He was shooting whales with crossbows and things like that. So I, that was fortunate and it completely changed the trajectory of um, my career. Oh, there were a lot of things going on in my life at that time, but I just got so many riding opportunities uh, out of that that I got out of teaching for about five years. And then, you know, it's a it's a tale of the of media. I was making three grand an article there for a while. And now those same magazines pay about 200. So um, yeah, I was working for several companies there at the end. I was working for CBS Sports and they closed down the outdoors division when that nut job shot up Las Vegas.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And they said, we don't want to be associated with anything with guns. And I was, that was
0: like, the uh, Jason Aldean concert. Was that what that was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I was
1: like, somebody gets shot on CBS every night during your shows. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, that's fiction. We don't want to do that. So, uh, so I had to go back to teaching and I'm teaching English and journalism and uh, English for people that did not pass the state test, but still writing for several magazines and cranking out pulp. so
0: That's, I mean, that's, it's admirable, man. I mean, my, my sister-in-law is a teacher. She's been a teacher for about 10 years now and it's, uh, it, it's an admirable job. It's one of those jobs where you are, you are breeding the next generation. And in this yeah. case, as, as a writer, you could be breeding the next New York times bestseller. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it, it, it's kinda, it's kinda, it, it's cool to kind of, um, I guess think that and, and, and be that. And, uh, but I also understand uh, it would also be very nice to um, be home and write full time. (laughs) I mean, I get it. Like I said, I, I I graduated high school. I was 18 and I got a management job right out of high school. Didn't go to college, was making good money and did that for, you know, well, a couple of different jobs, but did that for about 20 years. And, um, I'm just like, (laughs) Like I said, it, it ended up being kind of a, a, a rabbit hole that I could never climb yeah. out of when it came to just... Mostly support.
1: what I teach these days is they're like, you're on the internet. You have books out. You must be rich. And I'm like, okay, here's a teachable moment. Uh, no? Yeah. No.
0: No. 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 Uh, no yeah. No, that's not how it works. There's there's very few people that I would consider like uber, uber wealthy from this from mm-hmm. this gig. Is it enough to live on? Sure. Is it enough to like like live outside the normal means typically not. <laughs> That's kind of one
1: of the reasons I think I got into riding the outdoors uh, when I did was there were things I wanted to do, um, mainly travel, things like that. And I knew I would never have a job where I could afford to do it, but I knew that sure. if I could convey it in thought and writing, then I would be able to to do such. And so writing has put me on you know five different continents i have traveled all over the world i've i've been to africa four times i've been to the amazon five i've you know it's insane a lot of opportunities
0: that's that's incredible because i'm i'm the guy that needs teleportation because mm-hmm. i want to go places i just don't want to travel to it <laughs> uh i'm like i'm i'm horrible with that i'm like terrible i don't fly well and it's not that i'm scared of planes i just have really uh, really sensitive, like inner ear problems and yeah. getting on a plane and having like barometric pressures and like cabin pressure. I'm literally in agony. And it's like, wow, oh, you have a four and a half hour flight, Matt. Good luck. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't have enough liquor. And yeah, it's like, right.
1: 18 hours to uh, Australia. That was probably the worst. So.
0: Yeah, my my cousin was the uh, lead installer and like a, uh, he did a lot of design for a company out in LA called Electrosonic. And uh, basically, they installed and designed all of a lot of new, um, like, audiovisual uh, technology. So, like, big mm-hmm. movie theater screens, like a lot of, like, a lot of, like, the primo, primo, primo expensive stuff. And uh, they would get hired by these big corporate companies to do it. And one of his jobs was Princess Cruise Lines. And when Princess decided to do a big update on a lot of their boats, uh, Andy got hired for 18 months. He lived on a cruise ship. Uh, different cruise ships back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So he's he's in Burbank, he's in LA and he f- would fly to Australia, get on a boat, be on that boat for about, oh God, he'd be on that boat for about eight weeks. It would go to like different stops and he would just work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but the difference is, is he would have a normal like 40 hour gig. So when he wasn't yeah. working, he became a tourist. So he was in Thailand, he was in China, he was in a bunch of different, weird, cool countries. And he got to travel because of it. And he goes, yeah, it was great until I realized I'm paying rent in an apartment that I see for about four or five days a month. Yeah. <laughs> and, but It got him like this really great experience. And then he became one of the lead Imagineers for Disney. So he was working for Disney out in California for a number of years uh, before Disney. He, he actually designed the stuff at uh, one trade center so like he designed like the elevator that goes up and shows you like the different uh, uh, like when New York was being built from the ground up, like this really cool visual. Uh, the ground, if you've ever seen videos or been there in One Trade Center, uh, the floor at the at the top uh, is like um, screens, so it looks like it's see through and you can see the city down below because there's cameras all around the building. Mm. Uh, like he 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 designed all of that and installed all of it. So I mean his his opportunities because of it were amazing, but his travel he was just like. He goes, once I got the job with Disney, I said, I am not traveling. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore. And, of course, they sent him to different parks around the country because they needed Mm -hmm. him to to help with certain things. But he's just like, man, it's exhausting. He goes, travel. He goes, getting there, the experiences were stuff I'll never forget, but traveling sucked.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it does. And and a lot of places that I went were simply because uh, I was the lower rider on the totem pole when no one else wanted to go. So. Um I got to go to like hunting in the Yucatan jungle and it was absolutely miserable. <laughs> but, you know, and but again, I got to go because nobody else wanted and I wouldn't change it. So
0: yeah. I mean, how many people can say that? I mean, yeah. that's the thing you can do the Amazon five times. How many people can yeah. say that? It's like, like I, you know, how many, how many times I've left the country? I've been in the Caribbean once on my honeymoon in 2012. So it's like in Canada, if you want to call that leaving the country, like I don't, I don't travel. I don't travel well. That's the problem. So it's not Mm. not like I said. It's not that I don't want to. You know, I write action adventure fiction. I'm like, my entire job is travel. So it's like, I just do it through a fictional character instead of me having to deal with the ordeal, which I know that's like terrible to say, but it's like, Mm. again, I just don't travel well. I I just, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like driving long distances. I don't like flying long distances, layovers, especially now with my kids. It's like, Oh yeah. It's a whole nother ball. If, if it was just me and my wife, we could deal with it. Cause it's like, whatever. But I'm like, I had my wife get stuck in New Jersey with my daughter when she was one. And she had to sleep in the freaking airport overnight with my daughter. You know what I mean? And and I'm home alone with, I can't do anything. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen. It's like, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, maybe it's just a couple of horror stories I've had that have just tainted the experience for me. I don't know. And you're in Florida. Yeah, I'm in South Florida. I'm in uh, Palm Beach County. I'm in Wellington and Palm Beach. Okay. So I'm uh, like two hours, hour and a half north of Miami. Um, so I'm like two and a half hours south of uh, Disney. So I'm like kind of in this. I'm
1: uh, in Fredericksburg, Texas. So if you drew a line from Austin to San Antonio and in the middle went west, that's where
0: Fredericksburg is. Okay. okay. Texas country. Yeah, yeah. And that's like Texas. That's like The heart of Texas.
1: Actually, it's more like Napa Valley now. It's, uh, we have, yeah, we have more wineries than, um, interesting. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. That's, that's like down here, we're more breweries, probably just because it's so, it's so like humid and nasty down here 24 seven that -hmm. it's like we, we don't have seasons. So it's like, it's like cold for like four and a half days. And when I say cold, it's like 40, (laughs) maybe. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, like you guys still get winter (laughs) at least. Yeah. For the most part but i know you know especially this year i know you guys have been getting slammed with a brutal summer yeah it's uh, uh no a couple months i think right there was like zero rain Zero. yeah we I, we didn't see any rain i think
1: probably since the spring and then we got some a couple weeks ago and that just bloomed everything that everybody's allergic to so
0: yeah yeah I, it's, it's dumb but i i follow uh demolition ranch
1: oh yeah he's down in uh Bernie. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's in yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's 40, 40 miles from here.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I follow, uh, another guy who's in Texas now, which is, uh, uh Brandon Herrera. Uh, he's the AK guy. Um, Where's he? he is in outside of San Antonio. Okay. So yeah, he, uh, him and Matt, there, there's a few guys in Texas that do like gun channels on YouTube and stuff that I follow, uh, that they're just entertaining as hell. And they're yeah. charming, charming guys and cool guys. And, uh, uh, Brandon just recently moved to Texas. He moved from North Carolina out to Texas. Um, uh, but uh, Matt from Demolition Ranch, uh, Bunker Branding is his big company. Uh, he's been in that area for quite a while now. But um, mm-hmm. so YouTube, I recommend Demolition Ranch and yeah. Off the awesome Ranch. <laughs> Off the Ranch is his non gun channel, which is kind of like his vlogs. Uh, and they're, mm-hmm. they're entertaining. He's just he he's a charming dude. He's he's a fun guy, but he's uh, a vet, right? A veterinarian, yeah. He's a vet, yeah. He's actually Dr. Matt Carricker, he's actually a vet, yeah uh it's it's funny his dad was a veterinarian and then he took over the practice some years back after his dad retired uh and now matt does his he started doing gun stuff on youtube and now he's got 11 million subscribers and now he owns god knows how many businesses it's incredible where he's been Mm. uh and the stuff he's doing from from a very very like just basic kind of hobby background with like the shooting stuff and now he's built almost like an empire out of it yeah kind of, kind of funny what the right niche can do for you, I guess. But, um, so if I was to tell someone, um, Hey, you should check out a book from Gain Young. Uh, what are a couple of books that you would be like, you know what, these are the ones you need to recommend, Matt? Uh,
1: I guess the most popular by far are the, the Bigfoot books that I've written, mm-hmm. which I kind of wrote on a lark. Um, <clears throat> People, I, I, you know, I had some guidebooks out there, and I had um, some stories. I had a book called "And Monkeys Threw Crap at Me: Adventures in Hunting and Writing," that was basically, yeah, basically things that I could not put in magazines, and that did pretty well. And I was, you know, it's pretty well, but I can do better. I can, I want to try some fiction, and so I was just looking what was selling, and at that point, there was a lot of. Bigfoot erotica and Twilight, and I was like, okay, I can't do any of that, but I could probably do Bigfoot, and apparently there's a market for it out there. So I've done, done made a lot of beer money on that, and
0: uh, that's what
1: counts. Yeah, I tried to get into some uh, science fiction. I did some stuff for Severed Press, mm-hmm. uh, creature feature type things that I, I call them just hard boiled, you know, fast in and out, alt fiction mm-hmm. type.
0: You did you did pretty well with your yeah. um your Primal Force series, right? The the tunnel. Yeah, that
1: was for Sever Press, and that was um, again that was just some some things, bits and pieces that I'd heard from uh, history articles I'd researched and things like that, and I was like, eh, okay, well, I could set that here and see what happens, and it's it's done pretty well. So,
0: yeah, I mean. I I mean, it, it it's weird because I I've lived and breathed action adventure like mm-hmm. I mean since I was a kid. I mean, I remember specifically. Oh man, I was probably trying to think the, the house I lived in up until probably I was thirteen or fourteen. So yeah, I bet you I was like twelve or thirteen, and I remember staying home from school one day and watching the entire trilogy of Indiana Jones on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I was like that kid. I'm like, I'm not, I just was laying on the couch, sick to my stomach watching indie for nine hours or whatever, eight hours or whatever it was. Oh no, it was like nine hours. Cause I had been the fourth, uh, the fourth VHS was the making of all three movies. Mm-hmm. So that was like my childhood was the action adventure. So, I mean, for me, it's been like the same thing for almost 25 years. And one of those things where I, I ventured into other genres to, to like, cause you have so many stories you want to tell. And you're like, right. you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into one thing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, what sells. <laughs> so it's like they yeah. put, sells, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I mean, yeah, they're fun to write. And um, down the road, I think I'm going to be writing something involving that, but um, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, does it fit the current portfolio that, is selling and I mean right. sometimes they do and I know a lot of guys that do incredibly well with creature feature stuff um but I'm just not one of them I guess I've tried to do some monster stuff and they've done okay but uh nothing I would be um like nothing I would recommend to people as like their first Matt James book
1: yeah I, I have a, a lot of people that are like you need to write this because I think you're better at that and I'm like well I know I can sell this, so I'm going to do that right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, It's a business at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. As for you saying Indiana Jones, one of my favorite things is, have you ever read the uh, transcript of when George Lucas, Lawrence Kasdan, and Steven Spielberg got together and they were discussing the character of Indiana Jones and how they were going to put it on a film?
0: Uh, I remember them talking about how his name was Indiana Smith. Yeah. uh,
1: well, I'll, I'll send you
0: there's
1: a cassette and they just started saying, OK, this is the character. Here's what we want to do. And they were just bouncing ideas off of each other. And it was so great. And I've tried to do that with friends since then. I'm like, I'm going to write this Bigfoot thing. It's going to be in Vietnam. What do you think of this? And they're just like drinking beer like, oh, OK. And I'm like, no, here's how it's supposed to work. Like this Lawrence Kasdan thing I read you're supposed to give me all kinds of these cool ideas and we're supposed to really go with it. And I've, I've yet to find any friends that are equal to vision, I guess.
0: So, yeah, I've had people, um, with, I mean, whether it's my parents, whether it's my wife, whether it's just my brother or my brother-in-law, I'm the only writer and everyone else, like my brother's a musician. So he, and so is my brother-in-law actually, they're both musicians and, um, they can identify with me as far as like the creative process and like, the mindset and like the process of like creating something from nothing. And uh, like, they get it, they understand it, but like, I'll start getting into like, I'll start like zoning in on like the author talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I can just see them glaze over and I'm just like, all right, I'll no. stop. <laughs> I'll go ahead and stop. Actually, you've said that. I wonder if I can dig this out without knocking my entire bookcase over. Hang on one second. This okay. is a film, but you're going to like it. Uh, oh, boy. So I got this years ago. And I'm talking like at least 10 to 12 years ago. And it is, uh, so the first three Indiana Jones, it is the novelization. Oh. okay. At Borders. Remember when Borders was a thing? Yeah. But it is the novelization of all three of the first Indiana Jones movies. So if it was written by a normal novelist writer. So it's funny you say that, like sitting down and actually like reading almost like the script of it. But it's, you know, it's the he said, she said normal novelization. But it's right. all, all three Indiana Jones movies. And I've read that cover to cover a couple of times. And it's so weird reading it, knowing that I can literally memorize all three of those movies from like. Mm-hmm. And then I read that and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's how I learned that Indy was in the army. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, I lear- you learn that in the fourth Indiana Jones movie in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that he was in the army and he was a war hero. But you you don't really, it's never a part of his character in the movies unless you've gone into like the comic books and like the novels. So I read that and it talks about like a little of his background in the army. And I'm like, Indy was in the army?
1: Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, that's the interesting thing that when they got together and they were talking because it was like Spielberg was an eagle scout. And so he was... He was like, okay, well, he's got to be an Eagle Scout. Well, that doesn't even come about until the third movie, but they put in all these these backgrounds, which kind of reminds me, I just finished um, Heat 2 by Michael Mann and some gal that helped him write it. I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but that book came about because Michael Mann, apparently when he was writing the screenplay for Heat, gave backstories to these people that, was never going to be in the movie, but it went back 30 years to okay, here was a score they did, and here was this, and here's why this character doesn't like women and doesn't want to do this. And it's just like, man, that's a lot of background that you're never going to use. So I'm glad he came back and put it in a book. I really liked it. But
0: yeah, yeah. that was um if you've ever watched the the
1: the background process is is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. If you ever watched um Lord knows if people have actually watched this, but I, I'm really a sucker for like the making of stuff. Yeah. So um, I watched the making of the Blues Brothers. So, and because Dan Aykroyd, like I grew up a Ghostbusters yeah. fan. So then I got I got into Blues Brothers after Ghostbusters because I was like, I, the music, the dancing, I just, you know, it, it's, it's such a classic movie. It's such a great movie. And the original script that Dan wrote for the movie um, involved... So the script ended up being like 105 pages. The original Blues Brothers script was like 390 pages. Jeez. And if you don't know a script, a script a hundred pages for a script is a lot. And it's you like
1: that's a hundred minutes. So
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be a minute a page, right? So it's like you're like sitting here going, He had every single musician that the Blues Brothers picked up, were supposed to have their own basically mini story. Every mm. single one. They weren't supposed to be like like when they went in and got uh um what the heck was the name of the band when they went into the lounge and everybody was had the red shag. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, when he went in and got that band, all of the musicians were supposed to have their own thing like that. And that's what Dan wrote. And the producers were like, Dan, we can't make this movie the way it is. It's going to be a five hour movie if we do it this way. So yeah. it's,
1: it's, I think it's- I've learned you saying that, um, I wrote a script that was the first script I'd ever written, and it was, I bought a book on how to write a script, and I came across something in history, and I said, you know, I I can't do an article on that, but I want to try, this is before I started doing fiction, I said, I want to try a screenplay, just kind of see how it works. And that screenplay was actually optioned by um, Copelson Entertainment, which did um, The Fugitive, and they did Platoon. Oh, dang, okay. the way it works in Hollywood, the way they were telling me it works was they were like, okay, that's great. We like this. We want you to write two other things. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get paid. And they were like, no, that's not how it works. So I kept looking up online. I was like, is this really how it works? Or are they just using me? And it was like, no, you have to have more in the in the background. You have to have, you have, to have a lot of stuff before they can go in. So anyway, I worked with a, a script doctor, and it was really helpful in terms of um, – plot in terms of you know beats in terms of dialogue in terms of you know bare minimum and I get a lot of people that say you know I like your books but they're too short and I'm like they're written as a movie it's following the format the hero's journey whatever you want to call it I go don't 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 and I have people that are like you know you don't have enough background on that person I'm like I don't think the story suffered because of it you have to it's moving forward and that's it's kind of what I like to write And it seems to be doing okay. So, you know.
0: Yeah. I'll I'll counter that, but not in a negative way at all. It's because because what... So what I um, brought... So I don't know how to phrase this. Um, I started writing because I did um, arc reading for Jeremy Robinson. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that about 10 years ago. And when I... started doing that. And I kind of got into more of the background and the process of it. It's when I started getting really interested in writing because I realized that Jeremy and uh King Gilmore, who's another great writer, who's also his editor. I met Kent Holloway. I met Sean Ellis. I met some really great. That's how I met David Wood. I met Dave McAfee. I met a lot of great writers through that little group that we had. And I realized that they're just like normal dudes, right? Normal guys. You know, I mean, most of them are like me. They don't have an education in writing. They're just guys that wanted to tell a story one day and they got into writing. And, um, what I realized is, uh, writing my first, however many books, I always thought that it was, um, and I still believe this to a degree. I always thought that, um, the book itself, if it's a, if it's a hundred thousand words, but it's got some fat, uh, mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, you know, some stuff to the book that doesn't necessarily pertain to the plot, or if it's 70,000 words, and it's the tightest story you've ever read, which is better? Um, for the longest time, and this is up until maybe the last two years, I've I've kind of morphed my thinking. For the longest time, I realized, uh, or I thought that um, the best 70,000 words are better than the really good 100,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, but through whether it's just my mind changed during pandemic season because I was just tired and I was burnt out and I was just in a different state of mind. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Probably drinking more because I worked at total wine. Um, who knows? You, you never know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what I, what I kind of started doing was um, because all of my books are travel. Um, I was writing about specific areas in Egypt or writing about specific areas in Nepal And I was like, well, to get from this point to this point, it takes four hours, five hours, six hours. I could just drop my character from chapter to chapter at these locations, right? And get it over with. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, as I'm Google earthing things and I'm going through the zones and the maps and the roads, I'm like realizing there's so much cool stuff along the way that I, 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 as the writer or as the traveler want to experience it all. And be like, wow, that's really cool. That's really neat. I wonder, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, that opens up a whole nother two or three chapters of cool stuff that I could drop in um, and figure out something neat to to happen with the book. So I'm kind of like, I'm adding more and more of stuff like that into my stories the last couple of years. And the people that have read them, I haven't had any negative feedback of it. They're actually, wow, I didn't know that's what they ate for breakfast in Nepal. Mm -hmm. Has nothing to do with the story, but it's like. Jack Riley needs coffee. Damn it. Jack's getting coffee. Well, along the Google earth pathway, where can I get him coffee? And I find places and I'm like, what do they have for breakfast in Nepal? I don't even know. I mean, I'm a South Floridian. I I eat pizza and burgers. I'm like, like what the hell do I eat? And tacos. I'm like, so I literally Googled breakfast in Nepal. Like, well, what do they eat? And then I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm like, would Jack even like that? Probably not, but it'd be fun to have him try it. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) So I'm like, just this little tidbits of interesting stuff. It ended up fattening the stories up a little more. And I've enjoyed the hell out of writing it. I think it's kind of yeah. neat to do it. And, you know, not saying that you have to do it, but it was like, I completely understand your your, your thinking about tightening the story up and getting it quick and never never uh, uh, slowing down the pace at all. Just keeping it level from start to finish. And it's it's a great way of writing. And I still do it. I still do it, but it's like, when there's like little tidbits like that in them in the uh the middle of the story that I can add in that just gives it more flavor, like mm-hmm. a little fat on a good piece of meat. Um, I'm just kinda like, maybe I'll do it this time. And then it worked. And then the second book I did it. The third book, I'm like, wow, this now my books are really freaking long and it takes forever to write a book, and I'm kind well, of regretting it.
1: <laughs> well, I know you talk about the process of writing on your your show, and and one thing yeah. I say is that I uh, I'm very visual in that when I see a page, it's like I see blocks and I'm like, I need more there. Without reading, I'm like, okay, I need more there. Not based on the the length of the paragraph or what's there, but it's just kind of a visual thing. I don't know, maybe it's autistic, I don't know. (laughs) But I'm just like, oh yeah, I need more here. I need less there, Uh, that needs more. Or sometimes when I'm writing, I will write something and then just put blank a blank line because I know in the editing process, I'm going to come back and I'm going to add quite a bit
0: more. Sure. Yeah, I know. So. I've done, I do the question mark, question mark, question mark, and then I will control F it. Yeah. Cause I know there's a couple of them in the book that I need to go back and fix. And then it's just like, I'm not going to stop to fix this part and screw up the rest of the night because I'm doing additional research to try and figure something out. I'm just going to question mark it. And then just finish the damn chapter. So, I mean, I, I completely understand it. I get it. And, and, um, I mean, getting into that, I'm like, um, as far as like the writing process itself for you, like, I'm very, like you, I, I'm very visual. Mm-hmm. So, I'll see something and be like, wow, I really, and it, specifically with the genre that I really, um, kind of stick myself to, uh, location, landscape is like super, uber important for me. Like, when I see a gorgeous fjord, I want to write about something in Norway. I don't care what it is. I'll figure it out, but I just want to write something in that area. I love it. Giza pyramids. I mean, hello, I've written. I've got, I don't know how many books I've wrote in Egypt and it's usually on accident, but I just, I love the area and I love the, uh, the, the lore and the mythology behind it. But um, I'll see something and go, man, I really, really, really need to write about this. Like uh, I have a story coming up that I might be writing about the Holy Grail. And I'm like, I've never done it before. And I really want to write about the Holy Grail. And, I literally Googled Holy grail and got to the Wikipedia page and just went through the mythos of the Holy grail. And Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm like, I'll find a story. I'll figure it out. I just really want to write about this. So it's, it's one of those things like, what about you? Is it, is it, is it it like um, prior knowledge of something that you want to kind of write about a story? Or is it something that you might just see off the cuff and go, wow, that's really cool. I wonder if I can write a book about that.
1: You know, there's no rhyme or reason. I probably do both of those. Um, I, I, For example, the last book that I just had come out was the Bigfoot in Vietnam, and I knew some historical anecdotes. And I was like, okay, obviously, that's not the full story. I've got to do something else. Uh, What movies have I seen about Vietnam? Maybe I could follow that kind of format. No, that's not going to work. You know, I really that reminds me of Predator. Predator had this kind of beat to it. Maybe I could plug in these and go from there and then uh, maybe half of that works. So yeah sometimes i just come up with an idea and i'm like okay i'm gonna go with that sometimes i'm just like you know right to the market and sometimes i'm a lot of times especially like with articles um, some of my best received things were things that i didn't feel that strongly about i'm like eh, whatever okay and people really resonated with them for one reason or another so i guess it's not a very
0: yeah i mean I, I i believe one of the best books i've ever put together was called the dragon and it is a classic like john wick james bond assassin thriller mm-hmm. and uh it was not an action adventure novel and it did not sell well so <laughs> it's like what i thought was going to be amazing and i'm like well i learned my lesson i'm like it's not necessarily about me it's like it, it, it's like w- just because i think it's awesome doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come out that way. So it's like I I, it's a learning experience, I guess. Like you 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 figure it out as you go along. And for me, it's definitely like, okay. if I look back at my sales history with my books, I know exactly what I need to keep doing. And thankfully, it's Mm. what I like to do the most of. So I just
1: yeah, I always kind of think of uh, I've only read like six of his books, but I was a big fan of Mickey Spillane in that he was. You know there's a lot more money down at the peanuts than there is at the caviar so you gotta that's if that's who you're gonna write for there's there's more at the bottom of the pyramid and i'm also a firm believer in his um uh, you know the first the first chapter sells the book and the last chapter sells the next one so i try to try to jump into the action immediately when i when i start a chapter and then i'm give a little kind of hook there at the end of the book like could there be a sequel? To those? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I learned really early on that was that was a part of the arc reading that I did for Jeremy's um, guys like uh, King Gilmore and Sean Ellis, they really beat into my head that the hook at the beginning is so underrated when it comes to writing. It's it's people don't understand. It's like, especially when you write anything that that is resembling or resembling an action novel, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's a traditional thriller or whether it's a monster novel, sci-fi adventure, it doesn't matter. If it's perceived as an action novel, you better come out with the biggest James Bond, Indiana Jones opening that you've ever written or else you're going to disappoint your reader. And I always
1: kind of the, uh, the Lethal Weapon 2, which I wasn't as good as the first, but it literally starts in the middle of a chase and you have to catch up like, OK, what's going on here? But you're excited because it literally dropped you in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Like all, all of my books, I revert back to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because I'm like Indy at the beginning, doing his indie things, his indie indi- introduction, his indie villains, his indie this, has absolutely nothing to do with the Ark of the Covenant. Right. Nothing. The only thing it has to do is you you get to know Indy and you get to know Belloc, who's the main villain, and that's it. Nothing. The fertility doll, the idol, never comes back into play. That's it. And it's like, but it's such an iconic scene that nobody well, cares, that it has nothing to do with the plot. Yeah, you know?
1: it's exposition, and it sets the stage. I mean, one of the reasons they say Raiders is one of the best movies I've ever made is because the character is constantly moving forward into the story. He doesn't yeah. react. He is constantly, I have to do this. I'm going to do this. Here's where I'm going next, and it's not, gee, Andy, what should we do? He's he's going on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I actually just saw... Uh... It was an article. I can't remember what site. It was just one of those random Facebook-sponsored articles that pop up because you talk right. about it on your phone constantly. And uh, it said, um, people don't want to admit it, but but Indiana Jones was the most non-essential character in movie history for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. all right, screw this. I'm reading this article. So I popped open the article, and it was actually very, very interesting the way that they worded it because they said, think about it, the Nazis were digging for the Ark of the Covenant. The Nazis had more money to spend than anybody at the time. Is it feasible that they would have stumbled over the Ark of the Covenant without Indiana Jones's help? Probably, they would yeah. have eventually found it. Maybe have taken six that. extra months. Maybe they find it on their own, right? But they found it because they saw Indy digging up at the top of the hill in that you know classic scene, you know where they're digging and then the lightning starts hitting and they roll back the. Or they they peel back the, the the lid and they see they look down and they see the statues and the snakes like they eventually just the the Nazis woke up from their nap looked over and saw a bunch of people working that shouldn't have been working so they just found it anyways and then they said well think about it if the entire idea of the ark was for Belloc to take it to the island perform the ritual that the Nazis were uncomfortable with and inevitably die because of it. Did Indy really do anything to save the world? (laughs) And I'm sitting Uh, here going, I hate you because you're kind of right. (laughs) It's like, you know, in a way. And I'm like, oh, still my favorite movie ever made. Don't care.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, was it? I have a Raiders story from last year. I don't remember what it was, but I, said something about online about Karen Allen and how beautiful she was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And a former editor of mine at Outdoor Life was like, you know, I live in the town where she lives and she has a yarn store. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, he's right. She has like a macrame or yarn store somewhere up there in the Eastern Seaboard. And he was like, yeah, she doesn't look that good anymore. I was like, oh, that's kind of, he didn't have to tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) So age us all, but come on. Poor Karen
0: time huh? Marion ravenwood for life man for yeah. for life <laughs> it's like looking what I mean, uh,
1: star man with my daughter the other day with Karen Allen. it really i it it holds up
0: well oh, okay no i man i haven't seen that 20 plus years maybe this is the same guy that did the thing i was like yeah wow no Perfect. i didn't even know that okay okay no maybe uh yeah there's there's some of those like uh Cold eighties movies. I need to get back into. I just want to. I want to watch them. Just kind of like Flight of the Navigator,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like stuff like that, where it's like it's like so eighties that it's kind of embarrassing. But I still need to rewatch it, just for the heck of it. You know, it's kind of one of those yeah. things where you know, uh, it's like the nineties stuff. I I watch the nineties action movies all the time. Like uh, like I, I did a stupid list on Facebook that people saw and actually got a lot of attention, which I was actually kind of shocked. It was the five greatest movies ever made according to me and yeah. the reason the reason i did it is a i have an opinion but b i also knew that it would draw the ear of a lot of people or yeah. the ear of a lot of people so i was just like screw it i'm gonna do a top five list and the first two were very easy um that was raiders of the lost ark and the fifth element and um those are have been two of my favorite movies ever since the first time i've seen them and Two completely different movies, but at the same time, they have the same underlying adventure, you know, hero, classic, great actor, great cast, perfect cast for all for both movies. Mm-hmm. And then the third movie I had to think about for a second, but um, inevitably it was Mummy 99. Um, such an influential movie for me. And then the other two ended up being um, Jurassic Park and uh, True Lies, funny enough. Hmm. And if my, my criteria was cast um, replayability. How many times have I seen the movie? And I don't care how many times I've seen the movie. I don't feel like I've wasted time. I don't feel like I can't watch it again and not enjoy it. Um, but it it's like the the replay of some of the movies and like the classic movies and like falling in love with them all over again. And just the rompy adventure and just the bat crap, crazy action and, you know and it, it kind of gets into like the cast right it's like the actors and the cast it's like our, I cast all of my characters um while I'm writing the book I don't know if you do but um like when, when I have like when I was developing jack Riley I saw a picture of uh John krasinski from i think it was 13 hours uh mm-hmm. and I see him in the fatigues with the Kevlar vest with the beard with the muscles with the mm-hmm. kind of dirty and I'm like that doesn't look like jim yeah but underneath that skin it's jim (laughs) you know what i mean it's like there's a quirkiness there's a funniness that i know exists but he's a but he's an action hero now john krasinski's an action hero now and i'm like that is jack riley i'm like i can't help it i'm like there's just there's a uniqueness to him there's a, a, a greatness to him but it's like when i see arnold and tom arnold just back and forth with one another and it's like the, the cast means so much to me. And I'm just like, I don't know if you are like w- when you write a character or you write a book, it's like, do you like picture it in your head? Because I know you're very much like you see it as a movie, but do you yeah. go that do you go that deep?
1: Uh, a lot of times I will use, uh, you know, just a picture off the Internet of like like you were saying, I'm like, OK, this is what this character looks like. Or maybe they're based on this kind of person or maybe they're based a little on this character. So, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I actually got called out. Somebody was like, why are there so many people named Taylor in all your books? And I'm like, I don't know. I watched uh, Planet of the Apes when I was a kid and, Char- you know, Charlton Heston, is Taylor. And I was like, it doesn't get any cooler than that. So I have a lot of people named Taylor. But <laughs> yeah, so I- I'm very much like, this is what this person looks like. Might look like this actor, but it may act like this person. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I have a lot of things like that.
0: Yeah, no. I, I, again, that's just because I grew up as the, like the movie buff and as like the movie geek. And like I said, I've had two podcasts that are movie related in the past, and I, I can't get enough of that kind of stuff. And like when I when I see a movie where I'm like, like who else could be Tony Stark? Right? It's right. like your brain is going, I can't deal with it. Like Harrison Ford was the third choice to play Indiana Jones, and it's like you're like what? And it's because George Lucas didn't want him to be in every single movie that he made. Cause they just did star Wars and all that stuff. Right. So he's just like, what? I mean, it was supposed to be Tom Selleck. It was written for Tom Selleck. And I'm just like, right. Oh, but he was busy with Magnum PI. And then it was supposed to be Tim Matheson. Right. And I'm like, so was, uh,
1: yeah, was- I'm
0: like, wow. And they're like, just bring in Harrison for a, a, right. a, a read and see what he does. And it was supposed to be uh, Sean Young was supposed to be Marion Ravenwood. You know, and you're just, no, that's my point, is it's just like, yeah. can you imagine Tom Selleck and Sean Young, you're like, what? <laughs>
1: yeah, and apparently they, uh, Marcia Brady, I forget her name, uh, she read for it as well, I saw, on some behind-the-scenes thing, and she was so whacked out on coke that Spielberg was like, yeah, you're not doing very well, and I was like, yeah, Marcia Brady wouldn't have been a very good choice, so.
0: No, no, I mean, at that point, they were probably just going for, I mean, icons yeah. of the time, so uh, you know, they're looking for uh, ticket sales at that point. But, um, um, as far as, uh, influences of yours, um, like, like obviously we've talked about mine, you know, mummy, uh, uncharted and tomb Raider are big for me. Indie, obviously uh, national treasure, that kind of stuff. Um, like I, I, I owe a lot of that stuff to me even like, I wouldn't be writing if half of that stuff didn't exist. Right. Um, Because it just it it got me at like an emotional level and kind of like ingrained something into me. But um, as far as like you as a writer, especially specifically like the fiction stuff you write, um, is there something where you can like think back to where like it was like. Like when I write, it's because of this.
1: Yeah, I I was a big fan of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, John Carter, Mars. Uh, I was born too late, but I got into all the reprints of a lot of the Pulp Fiction stuff. Um, you know, the men's magazines, you know, the, the yeah. that this stuff that Indiana Jones was based on. Sure. Uh, I'm a big fan of crime writers, Mickey Spillane. I like Elmer Leonard. Uh, Don Winslow is one of my favorites right now. Um, there's a guy named James Carlos Blake that I really, really like who's done a lot of Westerns, but he's also done a lot of uh, crime noir type things. So, yeah, I, you know, maybe some of my characters are two dimensional based on those
0: things. Um, but um, I mean, I had a I had a character named Hank Boyd because his yeah. name is Harrison Boyd. So I mean, yeah. and he and he was an archaeologist. So it's like you're sitting here going, we we, we know we know Matt. We know it's yeah. it, it's indie. I mean, we get it. <laughs> so I mean, but I don't. I don't care. I'm like, if, if I don't pay homage to who came before me, like Jack Riley is Matthew Riley and Jack West jr. Yeah. I literally looked at my shelf and went, the character's name is Jack Riley. And then that was it. It's like, I'm like, I I'm very much. And like, that's why I like a lot of my books have a lot of pop culture references that mean a lot to me, mm. whether it's like music or movies or whatever, um, food, just like random stuff. It's just me. Because I'm like, I have to include this stuff because I would be stupid if I don't. Because I'm like, I have the opportunity to, so why wouldn't I? And, you know, I, I, I just, I, I love doing it. I mean, I really do. And um, what about, um, so like with you specifically, I, I, I kind of get the idea. I don't, I have no idea. This is just spitballing. What about the old uh, Ray Harryhausen movies?
1: Yeah, I really liked uh, a lot of those. And again, I love them. Liked yeah. how they were making them, but yeah, the adventure stuff like King Kong. Uh, you know, he didn't do that one, but you know, Jason of the Argonauts and
0: Clash Sin of the Band,
1: Titans, that. Yeah.
0: the seventh voyage of Sinbad was like yeah. one of my dad's huge, favorite movies uh, growing up. I was a
1: huge land of the lost yeah. man, uh, yeah. when I was a kid,
0: uh, uh Valley of the Guanji.
1: yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean,
0: Cowboys and dinosaurs. I mean, come on, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah like that stuff like that like those were like more like the classic adventure like pulp right and they're entertaining as hell i'm like i watched what did i watch recently i watched sinbad recently and i was just i was entertained as as heck with i was just like man this is still so cool it's so good and even though you know the claymation and like it was just it was so and you're and then you see wow this is Sixty years old? Are you kidding me? It's like, wow.
1: Yeah, now I, I I went down the YouTube rabbit hole and I found those uh, the corridor crew guys that look at all the special effects and I'm a firm believer. A lot of that stuff holds up better than any of the CGI stuff today. Mm-hmm. But it's just because your your mind is like, that's three dimensional. That looks more like it should than versus you know CGI. I don't know
0: yeah i started the series on disney plus that just dropped uh maybe like a month or two ago it's the history of ilm mm. and i'm like oh my gosh it literally starts with star wars and then comes up yeah. to like the modern day stuff and it's all the history behind the making of everything they've done for the last 40 something years and i'm like mm. oh <laughs> like, a couple of facts, even you know
1: empire the strikes empire strikes back is holds up better than most of the things you see today.
0: And you're like, that was a little models. So yeah. Look at independence day. Yeah. I mean, independence day was 95, I think. Mm -hmm. And you look at like the suit and the tentacles and like the ships and the, the, the chases, like the airplane. And you're like, dude, it looks better than most movies do now. And like the mummy does too. A lot of the stuff in the mummy, like they just released a UHD version of it. It looks amazing. And it was 1999. And you're like, Man, like I know DC movies that look 10 times worse than this. Yeah. I pick on DC a lot because their special effects are terrible. But uh yeah. besides the point that I could get in, I could do a whole podcast on just how much I don't like DC. So I mean, love the comics, hate the movies. So, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh life outside the keyboard. What does it look like for game?
1: uh i have a 21 year old daughter i have an 18 year old son so i try to spend as much time with them i don't travel as much as i used to uh in terms of like hunting or fishing type thing but i still get out there every now and again Uh, i like spending a lot of time outdoors um i like reading i like writing like listening to podcast or audio books Mm-hmm. Uh revisiting a lot of old movies. I have a TV out of my deck. I smoke cigars out there. I enjoy it, so. Just the, the good um, life.
0: Just living the good life.
1: Oh, yeah, living the good yeah. life.
0: Yeah, it's basically.
1: Watching, watching uh, videos I'm like, how do I sell more books? And then I'm like, well, I'm already doing that. Or, you know, looking and, and seeing, okay, well, what's selling? And then I go read the Kindle uh, sample of it. I'm like, that sucks. How are they so <laughs> oh my god, you know, that kind of thing? So,
0: yeah, that's like uh, I was just talking to uh, AG Riddle, uh, Jerry and uh, yeah. monster techno thriller, sci fi author, and he just released a new book called Lost in Time, which is going to be I keep saying I'm gonna I'm starting to read it and uh, yeah. I have to because it sounds amazing. It's, it's like, time like travel, it's Winter World, guy, or yeah, Winter World, he did uh, the, the uh, Atlantis, uh, the Atlantis Plague. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I the
1: winter stuff. I listen to him.
0: Yeah, and yeah. he just released uh, Lost in Time, which is a time travel book back to the Cretaceous period. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's going to be really freaking good, especially coming from him. And uh, the book is currently at number 68 on all of Amazon, <laughs> not in the category all of Amazon. <laughs> like I'm messaging him going, that's a lot of potatoes. He's yeah. Like,
1: i like sending screenshots to my friends and I'm like, look, I have the number one book in this category. And they're like, yeah, that's the day you gave it away free. Right. I'm like, shut up.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. But still, something, something,
0: yeah, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of number ones. So my first, my first number one ever was, uh, um, what was it? It was, uh, so it was a uh, skin and bones, which was a, a novelette that I or no, a novella that I wrote with uh, David Wood in his Bones Bone Break series. Oh. It was a co-author project that I did, um, and I've had a couple of them f- through uh, Lucifer Verlag over in Germany um, through Severed Press. I've had a couple of number ones over there. I've been very fortunate and uh, um, very appreciative and very thankful for that. It's a it, it's been a cool uh a, well, a cool process to see the international crowd
1: and it's spelled g-a-y-n-e so amazon always likes to throw a lot of my stuff into gay and lesbian based on no. my
0: name.
1: So like for a time being i had the number one hunting hunting literature in gay studies or something and i was like do i report that to amazon and say there's nothing in there for uh gay and lesbians or do i just say hey i had the number one hunting and fishing book in that category and so i just went ahead and left it it
0: depends on how aggressive you are with the with your partner it could be hunting and fishing i guess i don't know i don't know i uh i'm not very good
1: on social media but my son pointed out to me yesterday as a matter of fact that the hashtag gain young my name uh is now some gay thing that's you know people are tagging this and i'm like that has nothing to do with me. What are you what are you doing? <laughs> I don't understand it all. So
0: I'm I'm picturing it in my head trying to figure out how that works, but
1: I have no idea, but okay. it's I'll, I'll take the exposure, I guess. Uh, They'll be disappointed when they read my book,
0: but whatever. What what is the uh what is the old uh the old mantra? Is there's uh no such thing no. as bad news? <laughs> it's like uh, no it's, bad news. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's publicity, I guess. <laughs> Um oh. so if you um if you could recommend a single book to of yours to a reader okay um like a single book just be like hey uh somebody sees you on the street at you know you get chit chatting and say hey I'm a writer I'm an author and they're like oh what do you write what's the first book that uh
1: fiction i would probably say the tunnel which i did for severed press sure uh, any that I've self-published, I would say the new one, the Bigfoot, uh, the Vietnam defensive uh, declassified.
0: Okay. Okay. So. Mostly because I'm I'm curious because it's it's like w- when you have enough titles under your belt and uh, you kind of it's going to be sound stupid to say you kind of start to forget the older ones, yeah, um, because you you know you live in the now with this kind of stuff um i'm curious as to what the writer would say because sometimes their best selling books are some of the older ones and they're not necessarily the books that would come to their mind immediately because they haven't right. thought about them in in a couple of years maybe so i uh, i'm always curious to ask that because uh like i would say like my jack riley series just because it's current it's it sells very well um and why not? But I mean, I have some books that I would recommend that are older, but I never it's not the first thing that would come to my mind. It's always like more of the current um, stuff that I've released. So I'm, I'm always yeah. very curious.
1: Probably the, the worst selling book I've had for Severed Press was Sumatra. And I thought that was just I hit it out of the park in this one. I, I, this is great. Read this book. But man, eh. interesting, <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 It, that's like i said with that dragon book i thought it was going to be stellar the uh the background with it was like i i knew exactly what i wanted i knew exactly what i was going to do and didn't matter <laughs> it <laughs> was like nope it was actually probably one of the last self-published books i've released i'm like maybe it's me maybe i'm doing something wrong on the on the back end side of it and then I started signing stuff with Severed, and uh, now I'm doing stuff on on my own with Conundrum.
1: You know, that reminds me of uh, one of the governors of Texas. The last female governor we had was Ann Richards. She was only one of two governors we had that was female. And she said there were two parts to politics. There's the getting elected part, and then there's the actual doing the job part. And I always think about that when writing. I'm like, I can write. And I know I'm good because obviously – I got paid by a lot of people to write things. So obviously I'm doing it good. But in terms of the getting elected or the selling book, I'm like, uh, I'm still learning quite a bit,
0: quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm 100%, 99% sure. It, a lot of it's just freaking luck. It's just, yeah. I I remember um, talking with my wife, like really long and hard about offering the Jack Riley series severed when I came up with the concept. And I'm like, I I've at that point I had two books with them and they both sold. Like when I released dark Island at the time, it was my best selling book ever. Mm -hmm. Then I released sub zero and then it was my best selling book ever. And I'm like, okay, so maybe there's just something that the two of us get along with as far as sales, as far as advertising, marketing, whatever, who knows? And I'm like, I really need to get back like, like mentally, I'm like, I really need to get back into action adventure, like straightforward archeological thriller type of stuff. Because right. Island was more sci fi fantasy with like dinosaurs and uh hollow earth theory and that kind of stuff. And then Sub-Zero is a straight up like sci fi horror novel. And I'm like. I really just wanted. Historical stuff I'm like I just want to get back into that, I'm like. Am I, am I sure? it would even remotely sell well with a publisher who's more known for monsters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I pitched the idea to Severed and um, they wanted it immediately. They're like, yeah, we want it. We want action adventure. We, we want to get into that genre. And I'm like, okay. I mean, you want it, but does that mean it's going to sell through you? Meaning, right. are people going to care, like your readers that follow your publication, are they going to care? And I was like, I could do it on my own and then run the risk of just flopping, anyways, and going, wow, I should have just offered it to the publisher if they wanted it, anyways, because I didn't have to give it to them. I didn't sign a contract yet. And I ended up signing and just going, you know what? Let's see what happens. It's at the end of the day, it might just be a wash. So why am I worrying about it? and uh forgotten fortune was the best-selling book i've ever had roosevelt conspiracy Soul, even better and i'm like well i can't tell you why i'm like i don't feel like i wrote anything like vastly different right a lot of it's just the love <clears throat> of at the end of the day like i struggled to even sign the contract and i'm like man it, i mean maybe if i did it on my own i'd Make even more money because I wouldn't be splitting with the publisher. But maybe I never know. <laughs> I could have sold less copies, but made more money per book. So I'd just have a wash and then I'd have more BS on my end when it comes to advertising. So I'm like, maybe I just that's why I just said the hell then I'm just signing and we'll see what happens. And it worked out. I mean, I yeah. it is what it is, but I I, I can't give you a reason why. <laughs> I have no idea. I couldn't tell anybody watching like why that series sold as well as it did when. Others from other people or mine prior didn't or didn't sell as well. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Mm. I I, I don't have a grasp on it. It's, it's just, I think there's a lot of luck involved. I think it's just timing. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of it. It is. It is. Um, As far as a recommendation you could give from, uh, from somebody else. uh, If there's a book, whether you're currently reading it, something recent, something from eons ago, Is there something that uh, you could recommend that uh, somebody else would be like?
1: I would say my favorite book is In the Rogue Blood by James Carlos Blake. It was a, I think, Los Angeles Times book of the year. I I don't know. It's a Western, starts in Florida, goes to Texas. And it is, I read it once a year. And I've given copies to all my friends and it's, no one's ever said, well, that sucks. So very good in the rogue blood by James Carlos Blake.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Um, how, uh, how long ago was it published? Just curious. Uh, maybe 15 years ago. Okay. I don't okay. Know. All right. No, that that's, uh, it's just curious. It, it, it's, it's more just me being curious as far as uh, time frame, what it would be. But, um, uh, I guess if I could recommend one, it's 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 a newer series, but it's really it's a trilogy. It's really good. Is um uh, actually a mutual uh, author of ours from Severed, uh, Greg Beck. So he's uh, he's an Aussie, and uh, he started writing with his Primordia series, which is not the one I'm going to recommend. Uh, but he started writing um, Vernian Tales, which I was floored with how they've come out. Um so he's basically republishing vernian tales in his own way, uh because they are public domain. So it's allowed. Um but so he wrote to the center of the earth.
1: Yeah which is his ver-
0: yeah, yeah which, which is his album. version of To the Center of the Earth or A Journey to the Center of the Earth. So uh he wrote a trilogy of to the center of the earth books. And uh it's basically his iteration of the classic Vernian novels. And um i've read the first two and they were amazing it's like sci-fi horror that he would be known for a lot of action a lot of thrilling stuff um but he always brings in like some creepy stuff some monsters you know just just like chilies you know goosebumps and stuff from it but uh but it's the classic Vernian base and uh it's to the center of the earth which is the first uh the the first book in that trilogy uh he's currently working on Primordia, which is or, or Primordia was the before that. He's currently working on the Mysterious Island, mm-hmm. uh, which is the next Vernian series that he's writing. Um, so he's he's gotten like this he's gotten the ball rolling with this Vernian tales that he's been doing. And him oh, out. Yeah, they've been excellent. They've been excellent. Uh I know he's super happy with them. So I would definitely recommend to the center of the earth from Greg Beck. Uh, especially if you if you want to see like the modernized version of a classic, because okay. because I loved uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser. I loved uh, Journey to the Mysterious Island with J- Dwayne Johnson. Um, although I think Brendan Fraser should have been it instead of him. It's a whole other argument, mm-hmm. but um, I just think that, uh, the, was that re- a,
1: the Mysterious Island was that a
0: Harryhausen? I remember the uh bird
1: yeah, Rit- thing and the.
0: The original one may have been, I can't remember. Um, although I did write a book based on a Harryhausen book once. Uh, my Dark Island book was actually based on the rook, uh, the giant uh the giant bird eagle thing from uh the Indian Ocean mythology. Uh yeah. yeah uh that that's loosely where uh the Dark Island uh, idea came from. <laughs> but uh that's besides the point. That was actually from Journey or from uh, the Seventh Voyage was it the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad? I yeah, it was. Yeah. I think it was with the giant bird that drops boulders on people. Yeah. It was, it was they had that giant egg that they cracked open and cooked and then they angered mommy bird. But, I'd drop uh, it if I could, I guess. I I, yeah, know, I would too. Sure. Yeah. I I'd cook the egg for sure. Um, but <laughs> but uh uh so Gain, um if anybody has any more questions for you or any more uh just information they seek from you, uh where what is the best way to to get a hold of you or to find your stuff?
1: well probably right now facebook or instagram you could go to my website gaincyoung.com but because i interviewed putin and wrote a bunch of stuff about putin when russia went into the ukraine my site was taken over by russian bots and i've got two people that are still working on it that said they've never seen a website hit so bad so it's still there but there's nothing new on it. And I can't really contact you through that. They're redoing it. So yeah. I'd say uh, just look out for me on Facebook or, you know, Google gain young. I'm the only one out there. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Just don't hashtag it. Cause uh, we you understand know. where that can lead you, but uh, obviously you find your stuff on Amazon. Um, yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. I, I would definitely look him up on Facebook. I know he's, he's, he's very uh, uh, approachable and he'll, he'll answer your questions and, uh, but um, you can get me at mattjamesauthor.com, dot uh, com, conundrumpub dot com. I'm all over Facebook and Instagram, for better or for worse. Uh, but you can find me there. Obviously, you can find me here on Real Life Fiction. Uh, please subscribe, uh, like yeah. the show. Um, the more subscribers we get, the more likes we get. Uh, the more I have a chance of to keep doing this. So. Uh, I mean, it, it,
1: it, it's it in your yard. I want to hunt iguanas. I heard Florida uh, going.
0: yeah, we have a big problem with iguanas down here. Uh, right. yeah, they right. are really bad. Like, I know guys that walk around their neighborhood with air guns and just shoot them, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's nobody cares. Uh, just they're yeah. massive. I had a four footer on my fence last oh. month and it did not care that my 70 pound pit bull wanted to eat it, hmm. it didn't care, like, and. My dog is the sweetest thing in the world. Like he is the biggest pansy, but he's a 70 pound pity and he's, he's got the bark. He's got the growl. He's got the body, but mm-hmm. the lizard didn't care. He's just laying on the top of my fence. Yeah. My dog is going nuts and he's a jumper. My dog can jump and get his nose up to the top of a privacy fence. And lizard didn't move. Dog was biting at his tail, did not care. And I'm like, dude, that lizard is going to take you to town if you don't shut up. Cause the yeah. fact that he is not moving
1: Big, big, bad ones for digging. Yeah.
0: yeah, they're bad. And the the biggest issue with them, it's going to sound dumb, but um, they're poop. Yeah. So there's enzymes that develop in their poop that will kill your dog. Hmm. Like uh, there's dogs that eat their poop and literally drop dead. And it's that's why when there's one that's near my fence, I am all about getting rid of that thing. Luckily, I've never had them in my yard, but I've had a two of them have fence in the last couple of years and they were both big boys. So, uh, I'm like very much okay with them running across the highway. If you get my, there drift. so yeah, I, I, I miss living on a canal when I had a neighbor with an air gun. Yeah. Uh, he, he would just, he would walk around. You see a guy with a rifle walking around and you're just like, Oh, that's blah, blah, blah. He's just getting rid of some iguanas. I'm like, <laughs> okay, <Great laughs> nobody up. cares. We don't want these things around here. Get them out of here. So, and when they turn orange, they're really old and they're massive. They can get five, six feet. So good eating from what I understand, if you're willing. But uh but yeah, no. So uh Gain, thank you so much for coming on. Um thank you. I really do appreciate it. Uh everybody, please check out his work on Amazon, find him on Facebook, find him on Instagram. Um, if especially if you like some of these uh these creature future Bigfoot novels. I know he's really pumping those out right now and they're doing well, so please check them out. Um, If anybody has any questions, please email me. You can find me uh, pretty much everywhere. So uh, if you have any questions, contact me, contact Gain. And uh, thanks again for watching. I really do appreciate it, guys. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thank you.